This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. I'm back in Ghana. I'm recording this on Tuesday afternoon. I usually record on Mondays and Thursdays, and the pod launches on Tuesdays and Fridays. I got back to Ghana. My plane landed from Marrakesh at 3 a.m. on Sunday and came home actually unpacked because I'm psycho that way, went to sleep, got up and like washed clothes, cleaned up the house. I had this big plan for like all these things I was going to do for the five days that I'm in Ghana. I don't think I've left the house other than to go downstairs and pick up Globo. It's like their equivalent of Uber Eats. I just, I've been exhausted. I was walking minimum five miles, closer to seven or eight every single day that I was in Marrakesh. Today is the first day that I kind of, sort of, almost feel like me again. I still don't feel completely rested. I'm going to the States. I'll be there for about three weeks. And then I'm coming back to Ghana before I go to my next location. My next location is a different climate than Ghana. So all this summer stuff ain't going to work when the next place is entering the fall season. So most of my clothes, most of my shoes have to go back so I can switch out a seasonal wardrobe. Not necessarily problems, just, you know, part of the logistics of living abroad in different locations all the time. Like, it's just, this is not my favorite part of it. For someone who travels a lot, I don't like packing and I don't like airports and being on planes. I like the actual experience of being wherever I am. The last two days in Marrakesh, like, they were cool. Like, I told you I was really excited about seeing and staying in the Soho-y part of Marrakesh. I could have done a day. I could have done half a day and been good. <laughs> I'm glad I did it. Friday and Saturday are Marrakesh's weekend, if you will. So Fridays, the Sooks and the Medina are mostly closed. The super touristy stuff that's close to like the main square, that'll be open. But that's not like the, the good, interesting stuff. On Saturday, I tried to go to various art galleries or Marrakesh loves a concept store. But most of them were closed. So I'm like peeping in the window and I was like, it's really dope shit that I can't access. But I did find some really cute restaurants. I was just walking around aimlessly, just sort of like soaking in the environment. I saw these two like really gorgeous women coming out of this restaurant. And then there was another car that like pulled up and two women hopped out and went inside. What is this? It didn't really look like much from the outside. You walk down this long pathway and there's a whole hidden garden inside one of my favorite things about Marrakesh, especially in the Medina. Walking through 
these narrow alleyways and it's just these really high it's not cement but let's call it that because I don't know what it's made out of and then you get inside and it's just these luxurious gorgeous expensive wonderlands these architectural marvels these interior decor breathtaking escapes and huge behind those little teeny doorways are like these massive I'm talking like 10,000 square feet straight up palaces with beautiful courtyards rooftops gorgeous you just never picture it but it's one of my favorite things about Marrakesh also one of the most frustrating because you're just driving down the street and it's just like you can't see anything you have to know where you're going or someone has to tell you where to go or you have to do this extensive research because just walking down the way like you'll never just look at something and be like oh I bet it's dope in there you just be like huh I sat on so many gorgeous rooftops, saw so many beautiful interiors, and from the outside, nothing. It looked like absolute nothing. You would think it was pure ruins. It was cool. I'm glad to be back, though. So back in Ghana until Thursday, then in America, East Coast for a week, West Coast for a week, back to the East Coast, and then God willing, back to Ghana. I pretty much know before I get on the plane, I'm going to end up extending my trip. Depending on how cold it is, like my dad was talking about snow the other day and I was like, snow? I don't own winter clothes. Before I moved to Ghana, I lived in LA. It doesn't get but so cold. Somewhere in the boxes buried in the basement should be a North Face, maybe a white wool coat, a pea coat, something. <sighs> Dear. I don't believe in cold. This will be interesting. If you see me out and about and I'm just like covered in layers and I look unhoused, just let me be. She'll be like, oh, well, she's warm. That's, that's all that matters. She's warm. Let her be. Oh, we need to do a bit of housekeeping. I told you I was doing an Amazon storefront, right? Next week, we're still on track for the Season World merchandise drop in March. I'll give you a heads up, like at least 72 hours notice when it drops. The other thing, our unofficial book club, I told you after we did Sheila Johnson's book, we were going to do Pinky Cole's book. Remember I went to the store and I bought all those books in one day? Pinky Cole is the business book that I thought Sheila Johnson's book. And there was nothing wrong with Sheila's book as it was. I just wasn't expecting it. But Pinky Cole has a straight up business book. So our next book club read is I Hope You Fail by Pinky Cole. And I want to do our first discussion on it mid-March. Let's say March 19. I think that's safe. That way it gives people 30 days. It's not a long book, but I know folks got jobs and responsibilities and obligations and all of those things. I think we'll probably do the book in one week. So we'll do the first half on the 19th and then the second half on the 22nd. How does that sound? I'm really excited about this book. It seems like Pinky launches a new product or a new whole physical restaurant every week. I follow the slutty vegan Instagram. She stay with something new. Also, after Pinky, just in case you want to prepare in advance, I did an informal vote on Instagram, maybe like a couple weeks ago, right after her book came out. Something like 5,000 of y'all responded and it was like 92% was like, yes. So, Tabitha's latest book, she's another one that's announcing a new thing every time I log on to Instagram. I love that. It's very inspirational. But Tabitha Brown, I did a new thing, 30 Days to Living Free. You know, I love me some Tabitha. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Beyonce is launching a new hair care line in addition to a country album. I have no issue with her going into country. I'm not the biggest country music fans. I've heard snippets of the songs. They're okay. Nobody's embarrassing themselves. She wants to veer off into, and I don't even, I don't think veer is actually the right word because she's done a country song before, the one about her daddy. And also like, she's from Houston. So that's why I backed up on saying veer. I would imagine she grew up on country music to some degree. Cause you know, it's Houston. White folks have been pissed. Not all white folks, but some vocal white folks have been absolutely pissed about her going into country. They're like, oh, it's cultural appropriation. I was like, wait, what? One, she's from Houston. Full stop. Two, black folks invented country. How are you going to culturally appropriate something and then tell the people that you culturally appropriated it from when they want to take it back, you're culturally appropriated? Huh? They trying it though. They big redneck mad over Beyonce doing country. And I was like, it's her birthright by blackness and by Houston. Like the girl grew up going to rodeos. And also throughout her career, there's been, I guess you would say like rodeo imagery or country imagery. She does a lot of fringe. She does chaps. She rides horses. She's done cowboy hats. She's doing them a bunch now because that's like her look which I really appreciate about Beyonce, sidebar. You could go back throughout Beyonce's career and look at old pictures of her and you can look at her hairstyle and know about which album that was. Like if you see it with like the little bump in the front, then you're like, oh, that was the single ladies era. So now that we're in country era, she's giving us this very light hair. She's giving us big Dolly Parton blonde wigs. Which we need to talk about that. Because I'm like, all these wigs and a hair care line? Like, we'll get to it. Hold on. And then cowboy hats. She went to, her nephew was walking in a fashion show in Brooklyn. And she and her mom went to support him. And she had on, it was the most beautiful, glamorous. It was like white and all these rhinestones, just dripping in rhinestones. These over-the-knee boots. I thought there were pants involved, but it was actually just like a long blazer that just barely covered her ass. And then like a sheer shirt that also had rhinestones. You could see some boobage. And then this matching hat. It was all like cream, ivory. There was a scarf around her head under the hat. Like it was just decadent. It was so... It made me think Elizabeth Taylor. I don't know if that's the right illusion though. It was one of her best outfits. And the videos I saw from it, there were so many cameras. They were all zoomed in her face. People were just absolutely going crazy. And I was like, oh, like, I mean, not that we don't know that Beyonce is a full bonafide superstar. I would probably say the, per the closest person we have to a Michael Jackson, uh, and in terms of that, like, rabid celebrity where people just go crazy when they see her, it was just one of those big, big moments. And I was like, oh, she looks fucking amazing. Oh, I like the cowboy hats. I like the big hair. 
I like the hair when it's more blonde than silver, just a little more warm. The silver, eh, like you need a little more yellow, sis, like a, just a, a, a smidge of yellow. The silver washes her out to me. Like she really enjoys it and I want her to enjoy it. But her little Dolly Parton, little is not accurate. Her Dolly Parton wigs, bitch look good. Her titties all pushed up in a big cowboy hat. It's sexy. It's a sexy look. I'm not mad. The music is, it's okay. I'm not a country person. That's just not my thing. And that's fine. Everything doesn't need to be for me. She has a hair care line coming out, Sacred. I think that's how you pronounce it. She spells it with a C, C-E, C-R-E-D. I've only seen it written. I haven't heard it pronounced. We've seen the packaging, which is beautiful. The packaging looks like sculptures. I was like, this is definitely something that would be cute on the vanity. If you're someone who tucks your shampoos and conditioners under the counter, you might want to actually put them on the counter to display. I'm going to hold off on trying. I feel like the hair girlies will give it a try. And if my favorite hair girlies that have my texture and they co-sign it, then I'm willing to give it a try. But just out the gate, just based on like, oh, like Beyonce. Mm -hmm. Tracy Ellis Ross, I was like, oh, yeah, sure, out the gate. Like, pattern? Let's, okay, let's try it. Even though she doesn't have my hair texture per se, we see her hair all the time. I trust that she knows what she's doing with her hair. Khalees, which I knew she had drops. I didn't know she had like a full hair care line until the other day because I was talking about this on Facebook. I've been obsessed with Khalees' hair for a good 25 years. Khalees wants to sell me some hair product? Sure, sis, say less. Just send me the link. I'm in. Okay. I'm not mad at Beyonce for releasing a hair care line. Like, she has a history with hair care. Her mom, really, they should have made Miss Tina the face of the line. We know that she was a stylist with her own salon for years and years. It, it kind of would have made more sense to put Miss Tina as the face of it. Or Solange, because Solange, we know what Solange's hair looks like. We know what her hair texture is. We have trust with her hair, if you will, just because we've seen it. I don't know what Beyonce's hair looks like. Beyonce has been in our face, like pretty non-stop for the last 25 years, if you will. I remember a video of Miss Tina parting her hair and talking about how long Beyonce's hair was. There may have been one other instance which may or may not have been Beyonce's hair. It's just really weird to me that like Beyonce is in the function of, you know, releasing this hair care line, it, she's almost like functioning as the friend who's giving you recommendations on some like, oh, well, this works for my hair, so you try it too. Which, okay, that could work, but I haven't seen your hair. If Beyonce released a wig line, if Beyonce did the equivalent of like a black girl's version of Olaplex, would make total sense to me. Because she's known for the blonde. Like, this will keep your blonde extra blonde. This will keep your hair shiny. This will keep your hair from breaking off. Create stronger bonds for the hair, blah, blah, blah. That would make total sense for me. If she did wigs, if she did weaves, if she did lace fronts. A hair care line for somebody whose hair we've never seen? Just based off, like, the celebrity of it? It's weird to me. If the product is good, and I hope that it is, I think it could sell. I think it's going to have to go through a second tier in a way that, say, Tracy Ellis Ross's line or Khalees' line 
or Tabitha Brown because she also has a line of hair care products. We see her hair 24-7 though. But I think it's going to have to go through a second tier of, what's the word? Scrutiny? Is that the right word I want to use? What I'm trying to say is Tabitha, because we see her hair all the time, can say, I've got this hair care serum that, that I use for Donna. That's what she calls her hair. And I'm selling this to you. You hear Tabitha say it. You're like, okay, I'll try it. Tracy can say, I've got this hair care line. This is what I use for volume or to manage frizz or whatever, blah, blah, blah. We see your hair all day. So you tell me, I don't need somebody to co-sign you to go buy it. Khalees, same thing. I see your hair all day. I, I see you changing up your hair like every four days and you still got a ton of hair and edges. Okay, cool. You tell me, I trust you and I'll go get it. I feel like with Beyonce, you got to add like a second step in there. She could drop it. The hair girls on TikTok and YouTube are going to have to use it and then tell me about it. And then if they like it, I'll be like, oh, okay, I'd be willing to give it a try. But just Beyonce telling me, I'm unconvinced. There's a viral video this woman did and she was talking about Beyonce's products outside of music. They have a history of not doing quote and unquote very well. And also just keep in mind the version of Beyonce not doing quote and unquote very well is some people's wholesales goal. But it's because she has this massive popularity, this massive fan base, this very engaged fan base that you expect everything that she touches to just go insane. The video that I saw was saying that Beyonce like lacks a personal brand. And so she was like, that's why things like her line with Adidas or her fashion line, Darion, like even this, um, what does she have right now? The perfume line? I know it dropped. I don't know anyone who's used it. I don't know anyone talking about it. I haven't seen anyone posting about it. I have no idea what the sales for that were. She was talking about how Beyonce's brands do in comparison to say Fenty, if you will. And she was like, it's because Rihanna has a personal brand. She kept saying personal brand, but I feel like what she meant was we actually believe Rihanna uses her products. We see Rihanna wearing her makeup. We see Rihanna in her bras and lingerie. Like we see her using the product on her skin. You genuinely believe that Rihanna uses her product. The same thing with Tabitha. Tabitha can sell us seasonings because we constantly see her cooking something and the food looks good. Beyonce, short of when she's doing ads, when she had her Adidas collaboration, like you would see the ads drop and she wore a bunch of her stuff when she was performing, she and Blue. But other than that, you didn't really see her walking around in her own clothes. I don't necessarily know that she needs to have a quote and unquote. I don't know if personal brand is like the right word that I would use. Or maybe I don't fully understand what she means when she says that. I feel like Beyonce just doesn't sell us like the things that she's known for. Mary J. Blige has worn those over the knee boots for literally 30 years. She done left so much money on the table by not having a boot line like 20 years ago, but better late than never. I don't want to say nothing negative to discourage the process. Just release the boots. Beyonce released like a shoe line. She went to Gwen Stefani, Jessica Simpson. What's Carrie Bradshaw's real name? Sarah Jessica Parker. Like she was known for the shoes because of Sex in the City. She released a shoe line. It made sense. She also, I want to say, had a collaboration with like Gap at one point. And I remember when she did it. And I was like, no one thinks of Gap when they think of you. They think of 
luxury. They think of couture. They think of they think of a bunch of European designers, really. But like that, that didn't make sense. But I don't understand why Beyonce doesn't do like sunglasses or wigs or I don't know shoes or all bedazzled everything. She loves a rhinestone. The hair thing throws me for a loop. I hope it's good. We'll see. Anybody make a product where I can wear my natural hair in this Ghana humidity? I don't care how much it costs. I pay for it. I love my braids. Don't get me wrong. But there are times where I'm just like, like right now, I'm sick of my hair being in braids. Like I actually just want my hair out. I can't do that right now. Have you been following this TikTok story? It's a 50 part story. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, because I said something about it last night on social media, half the readers were like, girl, it's a mess. And then the other half were like, what? What are you talking about? So this woman was in a bad relationship, a bad marriage to a man that she says is a pathological liar. I believe her name, is it Risa Tisa on TikTok? And again, it's a 50-part series, a video series, and each video is probably five to seven minutes where she explains how she met the pathological liar who she eventually married and then the fallout after he was gone. I don't have the bandwidth right now to watch all 50 videos. And also, stuff like this just makes me really, really, really sad. I watched this woman's summary video. She said, I ignored, I think her phrase was a United Nations of red flags. She admits that she was desperate. She knew kind of early on that something wasn't quite right, but she's like, I thought it was my turn. Meaning she very much wanted to be in a relationship. She very much wanted to be married. She very much wanted a child. She'd seen it happen for other people and she didn't understand why it hadn't happened for her. And so when this guy shows up in her life, she moves really fast with him and she ignores a whole bunch of bullshit until after she marries him. And then the truth of how much of a liar and how crazy he actually is, allegedly, because he's responded and he says none of it's true. But for the folks that have not read, I'll read you a summary of a summary. This woman who watched all the videos and it's called Who the Fuck Did I Marry? If you want to watch the video series on TikTok, I heard somebody also put the videos together in a compilation on YouTube. I haven't checked for that. The woman who watched the whole thing and did this, this summary, she said it took her four hours to get through it. I don't have four hours to spare at this time. God bless. This woman's name is Jazzy J. Riv. R-I-V. Thank you, Jazzy, for your contribution to the internet. Because that's the only way I was going to get all these details. This lady, Risa Tisa, met this man in March 2020, right before the world shut down. COVID. She said they talked online. They decided to go out. She was on her way to the date and her tire blew out. She called him, he came to meet her, fixed her tire, and paid for everything. She said they went on the date after, and they hit it off. Okay. 
something terrible happens to me. I don't know what to do. I'm a little out of my elements. You show up, have the shit fixed, it's handled. That's some sexy shit. He's off to a good start. I get it. According to the summary, Risa Tisa and this man, they got along so well that by the time the actual shutdown came, which again was two weeks after they met, they decided that he would move into her three-bedroom, two-bath home because he was living in a studio. She said when he moved in, he paid everything except for her car note, insurance, and phone bill. Here's where things start to get... You know what? No, things are already weird. Okay, so this is not in this recap, but this is in something else that I saw. So the guy told her that he was a vice president at a condiment company, which maybe because I've seen pictures of the guy floating around the internet, I was like, if he told me he ran his own shit and he was CEO, blah, 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 that could look like anything. When you run your own business, you can show up in sweatpants and a wife beater if you so choose. Who gonna check you? He told her that he was a VP of this company. And then I saw pictures of the dude and I was like, he don't look like nobody's VP or nothing. And I'm not trying to be stereotypical. All sorts of people can show up for all sorts of jobs. You can look at this nigga and tell that's not his story. Not that he was a VP at this big corporate company. No. It turns out he actually did work for the company, but he was a forklift driver. She also said something at one point about his hours. He was working from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m., something like that. Wait, he's a corporate dude, but doesn't work corporate hours? You tell me he gets up at 6 a.m. to start work and he's not done until like 7, 8? I'll hear you. What kind of corporate dude you know whose job is done at 3 p.m.? But he's paying all the bills. They're living together. So she starts to get a better sense of like his world. He tells her that he has five siblings and two half siblings. She said he spoke to one of his brothers on the phone every day for almost a year and a half. She said she never spoke to the brother, but he would be on the phone. So she'd be like, oh, tell your brother I said hi. But there would be like a whole back and forth of like her talking to the brother through the boyfriend on the phone. He told her that he had one ex-wife. They had no kids together, but he was close to her children and kept a relationship with them. It turns out that he had two ex-wives. Each of those marriages had only lasted, I think, six months tops. The other women who married him discovered he was crazy in a short amount of time and left his ass swiftly too. I read today, I haven't seen the video yet, that one of the children of the ex-wives made a video too. And I was like, oh, I was like, this, this is too much. Things start to fall apart when they try to buy a house together. But he kept giving her the runaround for actually purchasing the house. Something happened and she reached out to the realtor and the realtor was like, no, there's no paperwork. There's no documentation. I don't know what you're talking about. And then she gets pregnant. They decide they want to go for a house again. They put in a cash offer for a house that's $699,000. And the guy says he'd been approved through Chase Bank for $750,000. She said she actually saw the paperwork for this. So when it came time to buy the house, 
The seller was willing to accept a cash offer, but only if the guy could prove he could actually pay for it. So they went to this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The owner was like, nope, something ain't right. So the owner, the owner, the seller pulls out. So she says, this is the point where things really got confusing for her because she was like, the money is there because he's paying for us where we live. He's paying most of the bills. I've seen the paperwork that says he has this money. Why do the houses keep falling through? She found out he was cheating on her. He was messaging women on Facebook. I think she found this out while she was pregnant. She ended up having a miscarriage. She says that he wasn't there to support her when that happened. He said he had business meetings. Because again, he's the VP of this company when he's really a forklift driver. There's a couple other things that happen here. Like she's supposed to buy this car. But he told her to take the day off to have the car delivered. No car ever shows up. And so now he's got this pattern. He says he's going to do these things and then everything always falls through. So she's like, mm, something ain't right. And still, after she's found out that he's been talking to women on Facebook, after she's had this miscarriage, after the situation with the houses, he asked her to marry him. This is in December. They, again, they met in March. They get married the following month. Three days after they get married, she finds out that he'd been cheating with a prostitute since November. She still don't leave. She decides that they should get marriage counseling. And her pastor tells her, if you'd come to me before marrying him, I would have told you not to because something ain't right. Here's where it finally falls apart. She had been wanting a car. Remember I told you he said he was going to have the Audi delivered to the house and then the Audi never came? She ends up buying a Nissan Altima, but the note was more than she expected. So she told him that she was going to get a second job in order to pay for this new car note. So the new job wanted a background check. She gets his social from somewhere. And then for whatever reason, she decides to cross check it on the marriage license. And she realizes the number on the marriage license and the number for the new social security number that she has are different. She does a search on him. This is three weeks after they get married at this point. And that's when all the secrets start tumbling out. He told her that he lived in California, that he went to college and played football. He had never lived in California. This is also when she found out about the second wife. She called one of the wives and was on some like, you know, sis, help me. Tell me what I don't know. The ex-wife that she spoke to said he lies about everything and that Risa Tisa needed to get her shit and run as fast as she can. Oh, at one point, the, the man had told her, I think it was about this specific ex-wife. He said the ex-wife had two children. Remember, they started dating during COVID. He told... I guess she was still his girlfriend at the time. He told his girlfriend that one of the ex-wife's children had died and he needed to give the ex-wife $2,000 for the funeral. So she's on the phone with this woman and she asked the woman about her recently deceased daughter who died from COVID. The woman said, who? And she said, my daughter is fine. Ain't nobody did. At one point, the man had told her while they were dating, he said his grandmother had passed away. 
This was 2020. She searched online. She found out his grandmother had passed away in 2008. She also found out that he said he had five siblings and then two half siblings. She found out that he only had two siblings. The brother that he said that he was talking to all the time, that he would be allegedly on the phone with, he wasn't on the phone. He was just holding the phone up to his ear. He wasn't talking to nobody. The brother that he said that he was talking to, the brother hasn't spoken to him in years because he's a pathological liar. The brother that he said he was talking to is also a VP at some corporation. So he's pretending to have the brother's life. There's some other really nonsense stuff in here. He was having knee problems at one point and he was bedridden. She eventually kicks him out the house. And when she goes to clean up his shit, she finds bottles of urine under the bed. There are pictures of them floating online. Like I saw it and was like, this can't be what I think it is. The, the image that I saw was like seven bottles, seven plastic bottles full of urine. She called the college that he said he attended. They had no record of him. So on his birthday, June 2021, she asked him, did he go to college? And she said he rolled his eyes, tried to get upset. And she told him, like, I know you're lying about everything. And then she kicked him out the house. She says he called his aunt who told him she'll give him money to go to Philly home to leave the lady's house. So he did leave. She changed her locks, changed the alarm. And then she said one of his cousins called her to ask what happened because the husband, the estranged husband, was telling people that he caught her cheating with a police officer and the police threatened to kill him, him being the pathological liar, if he didn't leave the house. But the cousin was calling her to verify because the estranged husband lies so much that nobody believes him. The same aunt, the one that he had gone to live with, she called the woman, Risa Tisa, to check on the baby. And she said, what baby? She said the husband told her, that his wife, Risa Tisa, was leaving him and taking the baby and he wanted custody. There was no baby. He's talking about the baby that she miscarried. There is no baby. All this happened in 2021. I don't know what the catalyst was for her deciding to tell the story now. She just woke up and was like, it's on my heart to tell the world my story. But she says as of, I guess she posted this over the weekend. That's when I saw everyone start talking about it. She said she hadn't heard from the husband, the, the ex-husband, since the divorce. Um, I started this podcast in 2019. Before I did this, I had a whole separate life as a life coach who specialized in dating and relationships. I did that for, I was officially a coach. I got certified in 2010, but I'd been in the field both as the relationship editor at Essence from 2007. And then before that, I used to edit romance novels for Harlequin. And they basically had us in boot camp for dating and relationships. Every article, every study, every dating show, every movie, like anything that had to do with dating and relationships, we had to be well informed about. In addition to editing books, we were doing book reports and presentations and research and everything to make sure that content that was in the books was relatable to the audience 
and then also popular in the zeitgeist. Romance novels, even if they're not directly called that, but glorified romance novels, consistently ending up on the New York Times bestsellers list and, and doing these crazy numbers. It's with good reason. There's a formula for it. I say all that to say, this type of shit used to be what I dealt with every single day for years. I had a column in Essence called Ask Demetria that was a offshoot of an online column that I had on my own called Ask Demetria. And over the course of maybe like five or six years, I answered something like 60,000 questions, wrote a whole book about it called Don't Waste Your Pretty, which eventually got turned into a film on TV One. Told you, there's a whole life before Ratchet and Respectable. But this level of drama, I mean, this is an extreme version, right? But to be quite honest, I've heard versions and this extreme as well of this story countless times. That she's telling people about it, that she made a 50 part series on TikTok and that she says like I was desperate and I ignored a bunch of red flags. And then she talks about having this Christian upbringing that she actually puts all this stuff out there that most people would be very, very embarrassed to share with the world. That's the part that's this unique about her story. But the part about men doing dumb shit and just straight up being pathological liars. I used to hear a version of that story every day, sometimes twice when I was still a relationship expert. And just now casually, just like, you know, having friends and, and you know, being all over the world and meeting all sorts of different people. And then also I'm just one of those people that strangers come up to me and tell me their life stories all the time. I don't know if it's like my voice or my demeanor. Like, I, I don't know, but it's happened my entire life. Like pathological liar shit or just like demented deception shit. Very common stories. I was on the phone yesterday with a friend for two hours who was telling me her own version of being in a relationship with a pathological liar for about two years. The guy my friend dealt with was a better liar than the Risa Tisa woman described. With a pathological liar nonetheless. But I've heard so many versions of this. And also let me say this. There are women who are pathological liars too. Because if I don't say it then people will be like, you hate men. You don't talk about the shit women do. Yeah, I do. Half the time people call me a pick me and the other half the time they'll be like, you, you hate men. Pick one. I, I can't be both. Even if it's not lying about everything, men will be in whole relationships and lie about being married. And that's common as fuck in Ghana. You thought the single husbands in D.C. were bad? Men who be whole married with like three kids who never mention their wives? Common. Men who have a bunch of kids that tell you they have two and they really have five? Men who have multiple girlfriends and live whole separate lives. We could do this all day. And we will. And we can. And we'll continue to. A big chunk of the reason why. Let me point out. Before I say that. The woman who told this story. I've already said this but it bears repeating. She said. I was desperate. I wanted it to be my turn. I wanted to be married. I wanted a child. I know I ignored a united nation of red flags, is what she said. So she takes accountability for her part in it. I want to acknowledge that many women who end up in these scenarios do see red flags that they ignore. And they have to take accountability for ignoring them. Full stop. And these stories have always existed and will continue to exist abundantly as long as we as a culture continue to tell women that their worth 
really their soul worth is tied up in whether they are married and have children. So all the people on the internet who are, who are reading this woman's story and be like, I can't believe she was so dumb. I can't believe she ignored red flags. I can't believe she did this. I can't believe she's so stupid. Yeah, we encourage women to be that. And then we get mad at women for being that. Again, pick one. You cannot consistently, I mean, you can because people do it every day. But I find the shock at this woman's story and the shame that people apply to her very disingenuous. Every day, all day, if you log onto the internet and go to any of like the major popular sites and you see people discussing relationships, the common thread is that women are completely fucking worthless if they do not have a husband and not just have one, but you need to have one by like, I don't know, 27, 28, 29, 30 at the latest. Otherwise, you're worthless. No one wants you. As the dead cult leader used to go tell people, what do you say, buy dog food? You're going to live a horrendous, lonely life and you're going to die alone. They also reinforce this with, as a woman, no one cares what you do for a living. No one cares what your education is. No one cares if you own a house. No one cares if you're smart. No one cares about any fucking thing other than your physical appearance. Are you willing to submit? Are you under 30? Are you married? And if not, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's it. This message is constantly reinforced every single fucking day over and over and over and over and over. And then you turn around and look at women like Risa Tisa and be like, well, why would she do that dumb shit? Because you told her constantly she was worthless. She ain't the only one. She's just the only person that's uploaded a 50 part video about it. That's it. And also, while we're at it, there's tons of married women sitting up in the same crazy that Risa Tisa got in and got out of in about 18 months. Tons of married women sitting up in that shit just because they want to stay married. I used to say it was they wanted the social status of being married. I actually think it's they want to be considered worthy. You know the craziest thing about this whole situation? Again, I didn't watch all 50 episodes. I was in comment sections reading people's responses to her story. Overwhelmingly, the men that I saw responding to the Risa Tisa story were like, she divorced him for that? As if all the shit that she described that were bright red flags flapping in the wind were inconsequential. Okay, so he lied about his job, but she wouldn't have dated him if he was a forklift driver. So that's why he said he was a VP. But if he was paying all the bills, why does it matter what his job was? The fact that he lied? Okay, so he made up some phone calls. So he has a beef with some of his family members. That's divorce worthy? Nigga, yes. Yes! And so much less is divorce worthy. What? But men were just like, by her own version of events, he paid all the bills. So what exactly is she complaining about? She took vows for better or for worse. This is her for worse? He wasn't beating on her. What? Go look in the comment section of places where people are talking about this Risa Tisa story. Men's response to it is like, none of this is a big deal. Why is she putting him on blast for this? He moved in. He said he was going to pay her bills. He did. So what exactly is she upset about? 
because he didn't buy her a house, because he didn't buy her a BMW, because he didn't take her on trips. You bitches are asking for too fucking much. For a nigga to tell the truth? Too fucking much. Yeah. And then you sit around and wonder, like, how women get themselves into situations like Risa Tisa. Or why women willingly place themselves in situations like Risa Tisa. And we'll say it with, like, the straightest of faces. Like, why would she do that? Because you told her to. You be talking all the time about wanting to lead, wanting women to listen, wanting women to fall in line. Fuck these feminists. Fuck your education. Fuck your job. Your only worth is the wife and the mother. Honesty doesn't matter. And then women be in these fucked up situations and you be like, how did you get here? Why would you do this? The people who don't, the people who resist that indoctrination, because that's what it is. That bar under the floor programming, the people who don't fall into that, those are the ones I'm shocked by. Women who don't fall into that, amaze me. We were supposed to talk about Russell Simmons today. We're not going to do that. I have to edit this where I've been talking for two hours. You might get an hour of this. This has to be a heavily edited episode. I spoke way too free. So. Thank you, as always, for listening to Ratchet and Respectable. Bye.